When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, joined by John Gibson. It is Thursday, so it's time for the match preview. Newcastle welcome West Ham to St. James's Park on Saturday evening. Evening kickoff half five. And it, of course, go into this game on the back of securing a place in the EFL Cup final. We now know, John, they were playing Manchester United. Not that it was ever in doubt, I don't think, given my United's dominating. No, you gave me uh, a bit stick last time for presuming or tempting fate, but uh, we were we were there. Well, I mean, the last time you John, you, you, you predicted Newcastle to go through and you predicted my United to win the second. I was just, I didn't want you to jinx Newcastle's luck, but it appeared it was never in doubt. No, it, the first leg took care of that, to be truthful. And Sean, after four minutes, made it an absolute formality uh, in terms of getting through, not in terms of performance. I think some of your twitchiness rubbed off on some of the boys in the second half, but uh, the bottom line's the bottom line, and we're there and we'll beat Southampton home and away. So it's turned out to be a, a, a decent um, few days of sunshine. Most certainly. Just describe to me then, John, your feeling, your emotion when that final whistle went on Tuesday. Oh, I mean, the tremendous relief. You you would actually think my long wait to see Newcastle win something again, having been there in 1969, which was the last one, you would think it was actually over. And it just dawned on me afterwards that the most difficult part is still to do, which is winning the final, which... uh, I watched Newcastle not do in 74, 76, 98 and 99. But it's our first Wembley final since 1999, ironically against the same opposition. So that in itself is a wonderful thing. Um, But of course, the bottom line is the way all bottom lines are. It's okay getting to Wembley, but you've got to win it. It's no good going there and finishing his runners up. And in Newcastle's case... We really have to win it because we haven't been winning it. But you know what? I actually think we have a better chance this time than in any of the other Wembley finals that I've covered because we have gone into the other Wembley finals when I was there distinctly as second best. In 74, we played Liverpool, which was the Liverpool of um, Keegan and Toshak and all the Emily knew all the great players who went on to be regular European Cup winners. So we were second favourites there. Man City with Dennis Stewart was all, always a step too far in 76. And in 98, we played Arsenal, who were about to complete the League and Cup double. And then 99, goodness gracious, Manchester United were doing the League, the Cup and the Champions League treble. So we were always second best. And we were second best. But this time, we're not, you know. This time, Newcastle and Manchester United are locked third and fourth in the table. Both have had a huge uh, input in, in, in positivity. Newcastle all season with Eddie Howe and Manchester United since their new manager. 
and um, it's an even Stevens final. And um, you know, I don't walk with the trepidation of previous years. It can be done, and let's go out and do that. We won't be overawed. We, we, I mean, we are. Uh, we've got the best defence by considerable distance in the Premier League, and um, we're a good, good side. Uh, so yes, we walk with a an air of jauntiness, I would think. Hmm. Yeah, nothing to fear whatsoever facing Manchester United in no. the final. No, you know, you look, you look at those outside of Newcastle, Peyton. This is the rebirth of Manchester United, and those people doing that seem seemingly are forgetting that Newcastle lie a point, uh, lie a place above Manchester United in the league table, and aren't out of there, aren't in the race for the top four of luck. They're there out of merit. You know, they've been better than Manchester United this season the large part oh, of it. Um... There's this obsession with Manchester United throughout the country, though, isn't it? The famous Prawn Sandwich Brigade. I mean, Manchester United have more fans outside of Manchester than they have inside of Manchester um, because the whole of the rest of the country, whether that was going back to Munich or whatever, the whole of the rest of the country are Manchester United supporters. So all we'll hear between now and in the final at the end of the month is about nationally I'm talking about, is about Manchester United and the rebirth of Manchester United and what that means. Well, that's fine. Um, I want them to believe that. I want them to get complacent and think they've just got to turn up for the, on the day and uh, an hour and a half later they pick up the, the trophy. That's, that's great by me because we up here know it'll be different. For a start, the first thing we'll win is the battle on the terraces. We will outshout them and be more passionate than them. Anybody that was inside St. James's Park on Tuesday night, that was unique, mind. I've supported Newcastle all my life and I've reported on Newcastle for 50-odd years since 1966 and there has never been a better atmosphere at St. James's Park than there has been all season. Not just Tuesday night, which was extra, extra, extra special, but all season. This is the best football ground in the world, not the country, for atmosphere. And didn't that show before the game on um, on Tuesday night when you saw all the banners, all the scarves being waved in the air? I was sitting next to Supermac, who, of course, played in the 76 final, and I just said to him, look at this as the teams had walked out. And we looked round the ground at all the banners flying and the scarfs being twirled. And I looked up in the gods where Southampton had a lot of fans for the long distance to come and they were already worn down. But of course, it was just a sea of nothingness because there was no flags, nothing to wave. And they must have been sitting there and thinking, how on earth do we beat this team when we're worn down with this atmosphere in this game? And of course, four, four minutes later, they found out they couldn't beat them because the first goal was in the back of the net and, and then it went. Um, but it, it's sensational. We will win the battle on the terraces. I just want to win the battle on the field as well. The scarves, uh, as the players came out, was, was something special. I think it brought a tear. It certainly brought a tear to my eye. I mean, it was. I've never seen anything like that uh, before. And fair play to everyone for, for getting on board and making such a spectacle of it all. You mentioned there, Sean Longstaff, of course, got the, the, the double. Just how pleased are you for him? He's had his critics. I was one of them. Uh, Shira said that Sean needs to add more goals to his game. I think everyone agreed with that. We said in the episode earlier in the week, 
what a game to uh to, to start that off oh i mean i was thrilled for the lad because um he has had a tough time he is the if you take a, a newcastle united 11 he probably is 11th in the terms of um popularity because you go with bruno you go with pope with no gold in you go with botman you go with uh dan burn why because he's got the heart the size of a frying pan uh you go with callum wilson etc etc and you eventually get round to sean longstaff but i'm delighted for him i mean the crowd was singing after he's going oh, he's one of our own and that is why i was delighted for him because he is exactly that yes i knew his dad from way back in the ice hockey days and um, but delighted for him and you know why as well i was delighted that he got the two goals to take us to wembley and he will not forget that for the rest of his life by the way he can he's got that in his locker for the rest of his life and no feeling apart from the winner at wembley will top that absolutely no way but why i was pleased is because throughout the country all this revival of newcastle united is all down supposedly to new owners who are super rich to splashing the cash in the transfer market etc etc we haven't acted like a super rich club chelsea are the ones doing that splashing the cash as if it's no tomorrow we haven't done that uh, we haven't just bought like Chelsea. Anybody that's on the shelf, we'll take them in the hope to come off. The recruitment has been magnificent. But this revival of Newcastle United, for me, the most amazing part of it is not new owners, the manager, and the players brought in like Bruno and Bachmann and Byrne and Pope. It is the, the players that were already here have been transformed beyond anything I could ever imagine. If you look at Joe Linton, you look at Almiron, you look at Shaw, and yes, you look at Longstaff, what has happened with them? So isn't it wonderful that we got the Wembley through two goals by a bloke who was already here and was part of the bad old days and is now having his moment in the sunshine? That's terrific. Six players, if my maths is correct, that started the game um, on Tuesday. We're here before the takeover, so that puts the the supposed you know Newcastle have bought their way to success argument well and truly in the bin. Absolutely, and you've got backup like San Maximum and people like that who were here before. They didn't start the game, but were here before. You mentioned there, uh, JM. So you mentioned that uh, Dan Byrne as well. How important, John, do you think it is to have? some sort of a Geordie element running through the spine oh. of this team so they can they can tell the story. I mean, it already came out last week via Kevin Trippier that Dan Byrne, Paul Dummett and the likes, Sean Longstaff, were all telling the rest of the squad that this is more than just a game. How important is it to have that message, especially... Oh, without a shadow of doubt. I mean, they'll find out now. If they didn't find out on Tuesday night with the atmosphere and what it was like after the game and watching television since and reading newspapers since... And they'll certainly find out when they go to Wembley. And I think that is absolutely crucial. It was a key part of Newcastle when Alan Shearer was uh, our skipper and goal-scoring centre-forward. He brought that. to the, They are one of the fans, these guys, and therefore they know what it means to us. And I mean, you know, if you come from the outside or your, your Botman and Bruno come from abroad, you might think, you know, well, what does it mean exactly, etc., etc. But 
in this area, it's phenomenal. Not only is it phenomenal, but our lack of success has made it extra, extra special because we've got a huge mm -hmm. fan following. We haven't had the trophies to support it. And therefore, the reaction, I mean, honest to God, the, the whole lot of them will be on top of Gray's Monument if they bring the um, if they bring the trophy back. There's no question about that. But I was thinking on the final whistle, and I'm driving home from St James's Park, and I'm thinking, this is magnificent. I've waited for this. This is terrific. I've waited a long time for this. And then I woke up and thought, we are on the cusp of it, but we're not there. I had been thinking, well, last major trophy was 54 years ago. I I was there. Uh, for the European First Cup win in Budapest. Well, last domestic trophy, 68 years ago, 1955. And then I suddenly woke up and thought, yeah, well, it's still the same if we lose at Wembley. That's why we mustn't. That's why this last step, the players deserve that step. The manager deserves that step. Let's make it. Because otherwise... Yeah, the same as the 74 team, the 76 team, the 98 team, and the 99 team. This side is going to win things. There's nothing more nailed on than that this side and this club over the next few years are going to win things. But let's make this the first one, and it's only three weeks away. Hmm. We are releasing a special supplement. Um, I've popped the... Uh, the link to the where you can buy that from into the comments it'll be out and um, in time for the final you'll have plenty of stuff in there from john to read and the rest of our team here at chronicle tower so i've popped the link into the comments do get that board it's going to be a souvenir edition and we'll hopefully we'll uh whet the appetite for that wembley final um let's just have a, a brief mention about bruno then john because of course his red card no All question right. about it you know it's we, 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 you know, cry foul about VAR, but it got the decision spot on. It was a horrendous challenge. It was a red card. Um, such an instrumental player. And it's kind of bittersweet, isn't it? He's not going to miss the final through the suspension, but he is going to miss the next three games. Yeah. It, it, do, you it's take that, you do you take that over him missing the final? The whole... The whole bit is a bit of a mini catastrophe because um, it's, you see, I've heard that, and you're right, Andrew, and people say, well, at least he ain't going to miss the final. That's great. Blah, blah, blah. Of course it's great, but he's going to miss the next three. And that's two ways that's bad news. First, from his point of view, he's going to go into the final never having played in February. And now, you know, any rustiness, it doesn't matter how much he trains and it doesn't matter how much he plays in five sides or anything, he will not have played for three weeks before the final. That is not a good build-up to your first game back. Secondly, the, secondly, these three matches that he's going to miss matter because our season is not just about the League Cup final. It's about the fact that right now we're third top of the league and we can qualify for the Champions League. Now, the next three matches that he misses, there's nine points available there. Now, if you look, it doesn't matter how well we've done this season and we've done exceptionally well. With three not-not draws, the situation is we have taken six points out of the last 12. That is not Champions League form. 
by the high standard of Champions League. That is not Champions League form, six points out of 12. So immediately the pressure's on us. It was no good against West Ham. We've got to beat West Ham. Then we've got to go and beat Bournemouth and then we all Liverpool won. But those three games, nine points, can make or break our Champions League campaign. And he misses all three. And he is the heartbeat of the midfield. He is because the link from back to front is the midfield. And he in there has been absolutely wonderful. Funnily enough, he always has carried that bit of devilment in him, hasn't he? You've always had the feeling that he can pass the ball silky. He's got vision. He never has blinkers on. He's got wonderful vision. But he's also got a tackle in his tank, hasn't he? I mean, he's got a bit of, of a basic bang, bang, bang in his nature. So you, there's always been the possibility. And you're absolutely right. As biased as we are, when you look at that foul through VAR, it was a red card foul. There's no question about that. It wasn't badly done to. He did badly to himself and to his teammates, etc., etc. He's so wonderful, so adored that he'll be forgiven for that. But it can still cost us. If we don't get seven points out of nine or nine out of nine, it's cost us. And, mm. and, and, you know, plus the fact that it's not the greatest build-up to a League Cup final. Him never having played during February. Well, that's what I was going to say, because you're right, the season is much more than just this League Cup final. Castle in a great position to qualify for Europe. And do you think the fact that Man United are the team that's chasing them down, you know, on the same amount of points, you know, Man United are right on their tails, you don't want to go into that final having allowed them to get ahead of you? Because will that pay, play some some kind of uh, tricks on the mind, you think? Yes, I, I can follow that thinking totally, Andrew, and theoretically it is true. I must admit, I've tried to remain realistic about our Premier League situation all season. It's been very difficult to get carried away. I've got to keep tying my ankles down to the bedpost to make certain I don't take off during the night. Um, but uh, So it is very difficult. But you know how I judge it? I judge it that I look at the top four. I don't, I don't think... I know there's qualifying for the Champions League. You know, it can make a difference when you get there. But I'm not looking and saying I must be third instead of fourth. Or I must be. I'm thinking Man City and, and Arsenal will go away one, one and two. After that, there's us and Manchester United. But you know what? I don't look at it as us and Manchester United. I look at it as us in the fifth team. I want to know the points between us and Spurs, and us and Brighton, or us and whoever's. Because if I finish fourth behind Manchester United at the end of the season, having just beaten them in the League Cup final, I'll not be too distraught, you know, because to finish fourth would be sensational. So I'm, I'm, I want to finish third. I want to finish second if I can. But, but the big thing for me is I'm not looking at third place. I'm looking at fifth place because I want the fifth place to stay fifth and not that would be the catastrophe. If we drop points through Bruno being out and then af after the League Cup final and we finish fifth, that is the catastrophe. Finishing fifth, having been third for so long. Finishing fourth isn't a catastrophe. It's wonderful. Hmm. I am going to ask you who replaces Bruno in the middle. But first off, I just want to 
Um, fire some quick questions at you. So on the screen, I've put a picture on from the game on Tuesday night, and you've probably seen it doing the rounds. It is actually the picture that was originally behind me on our green screen. Yeah. It is Sean Longstaff dropping to his knees and then being hugged by Pope Lascelles, and I think it's, it's Joe Linton or St. Maximum. I um, can't quite see the face. But, John, just talk us through that emotion in that picture. That uh, You look at that picture there, and that is the emotion every single jury, not just on Tyneside, but throughout the world, felt when that final whistle went. We have waited since 1999. We've got there, and we've actually got there with a chance of, of winning it on the day. And that whole, that sums up a feeling. You could have a caption to that that said, a decade and a half under Ashley, one season later, we're at Wembley. Now, that's Ashley with an A and Wembley with a W. And we've gone through that whole alphabet from A to W all in 12 months. And that sums up how every Geordie feels at this stage of life. We were never expecting this so quickly. We were expecting it. We are expecting it beyond the League Cup and, and, and into Europe. But we could have the League Cup and the Champions League in one season. And that is so quick. And that is summed up by a young man who was born and bred here and has not only done that, but is living the dream every single jury has. We would all love to be Sean Longstaff on that picture and have scored the two goals to take us to Wembley. We would have felt like that. We would be crying. We were crying like that on the terraces. I was going to ask you, John, did you shed a tear at full time? Oh, without it, I had a lump in my throat and I would have been embarrassed, apart from the fact that 50,000 inside the crowd were exactly the same as me. And Malcolm and I stood together. It was a privilege to be standing with Malcolm because he is a Newcastle United legend and always will be. And he was one of the very few that knows what it's like to play for Newcastle in the League Cup final, 76. And we both got to our feet from the seat on the final whistle and stood in the press box watching that scene go on and watching what was happening to Longstaff and just drinking things in, looking around the ground, looking at the fans, looking at the faces of people that were so elated, so thrilled, because this is a rarity to us. Manchester United fans... They, they've been doing it for donkey's years, especially when Ferguson was here. It, it, mm. It's different for them. For us, it's special. And what I love there about that picture as well, you know, Lascelles, captain, straight to him, Nick Pope, arm around him. It, it reaffirms that these players know exactly what it means to a jury. You know, they're, they're over there and they can see it's more than just a, a win. It's more than just a place in the final. This is, as you say, you know, those years under Mike Ashley, all those years since the... The, the cup wins of 69 and 55, them players that aren't Jordies fully understand what this means. Yes, they do. But uh, think of it another way, more personal, Andrew, and this is true as well. What does it mean to them? I mean, Lascelles, no medals. Pope was going went down with Burnley. A year later, he's going to be playing at Wembley, not for England, but for Newcastle United, and will get a medal, guaranteed of some sort. Lascelles will get a medal guarantee. The mighty Shearer only got runners-up medals in 98 and 99. 
these lads are guaranteed at least that and might have the right colour. And so, you know, if these aren't habitual, these are Man City players or Manchester United Arsenal players of old, when Wenger and Ferguson were there, that just got bucket loads of medals. These guys are about to win medals that they never dreamed they would win with Newcastle United. Pope was on his way into the championship. Lascelles was on his way out of the club. Longstaff, a year ago, thought he was going to be playing in, in, in the championship. And now they're at the top of the tree with Newcastle United. Absolutely wonderful for each and every one of them because they've all contributed to what Newcastle United have produced to a certain degree, some more than others. But good for them. But we're all elated. They do get the message. But just think what must be going through their minds from their point of view, the personal gains they've gained through that victory. Hmm. It's already how over the last 12 months. been an amazing turnaround. I just want to play you this clip as well from after the game on Tuesday. I've had it on repeat for most of the week. Um, I'm hoping you guys who maybe have already seen it won't mind watching it again because it's quite special. I don't know, John, if you've seen it, but I'm going to play it now. So uh, take, uh, sit back and take this in. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you should run that there, Andrew. When when I I watched that live, I watched that live. When I came down from the press box to the uh, press room afterwards, 
I walked straight through the press room, opened the doors and went up on the balcony where those first shots were shot from of the crowd walking down, singing those songs. And I watched that live before I went back into the press room for the for the rest of the usual uh, things that go on in there. And it was as stirring then, but it's lovely to see again. And that is what it means to us. Because that hasn't been sung since 1999. Um, and to a whole generation, this is something completely new. Mm. I mean, you know, to me, I can just remember that we actually won something in 69 and I was sitting there when it happened. But um, and as a little Ben watching Newcastle win three times in five years in the 50s. But to a whole generation of people, this is going to be a new experience. And it's already a new experience because part of the experience, you know, is winning the semi-final. There's nothing more wonderful than the realisation when you win a semi-final that your day in the sun is actually there. That is the bonus at the end of it. But in some ways, the promise of it being fulfilled is the best feeling that it's possible to get. And that happened on Tuesday night. Yeah, the next few weeks, you know, people are just going to be on cloud nine. Now, the club have released details about tickets. I know loads of people were asking about how to get a ticket over the past few days. And the club have come out and, and they've announced what they're going to do. So let me just read through what is going to happen. So essentially, they've uh, given priority periods to certain uh, fans who, may, who meet certain criteria. So there are seven uh, periods of different criteria. People go into a ballot and then you will be notified to whether you have uh, got your hands on a ticket. So the first one is season ticket holders with 25 plus loyalty points and have attended at least one Carabao Cup match during this season. Then Period two, season ticket holders that have attended four home and at least one, one of the away Carabao Cup matches during this season. Period three, season ticket holders who have attended three or four home Carabao Cup matches during this season. Period four, season ticket holders who have attended one or two home Carabao Cup matches. Period five, season ticket holders that have not attended a Carabao Cup match during this campaign. Period six, members that have attended at least one Carabao Cup match during this campaign. Period seven, supporters with a previous purchase history have attended at least one home Carabao Cup match during this season. There are various dates um, in which if you fit that criteria, you will you will have a chance to go on and get into the ballot. There's no guarantee that you get into the ballot, you get a ticket. It's all seems to be done, I imagine, um, a kind of a lot, a lot. Just like if you were running the Great North Run here, you put your name down, um, which I'm sure John's doing this year. And um, you'll find, find out whether you can get a place or not. Um, I mean, look, it was always going to be a very tough decision on how to distribute tickets. You think there's about 35,000, somewhere around that mark, um, going to each side. Yeah. What what was pleasing out of this, and it won't please everyone, is that the club liaised with the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. So there has been an element there from the fan side to say, well, we think this is this is the fairest way. And when you look at it, John, I don't envy the person making this decision. I mean, whatever they were going to no, do, people were going to be left disappointed. Yes. Yeah, there is, I mean, I think there's, we're getting somewhere between thirty-two and 35,000 tickets. But if you think that every game we play, we sell out 50,000 
the other 2,000 say for the, the, the way fans, we sell out 50,000 now of people that go regularly. Now, all of those can't go to Wembley because we're only going to get between 32 and 35,000. So it is a horrendous uh, job. I think it's a bit sad that, you know, you only get 32, 33,000 for each of the two teams that are at Wembley. And, and all these other people, I know it's an, a national competition and you want to look after people that are good to football during the year, etc., etc. But I think the final's all about... This final's all about Manchester United and Newcastle United. And not about other people from Nottingham and Liverpool that aren't Geordies or Mackhams. <laughs> not Mackhams. Uh, Mancunians that are, are, are going. But I think there should be more. And Newcastle fans should have more. And, for that, and if they do that, Manchester United's got to have more. And, and that's fine. I think the, the percentages should be that much higher. But there's no way these are going to be gold. We are at the final and we could sell out the whole of Wembley Stadium if they give with the whole stadium because we have 50,000 people who go every home game. Do you not think they could find a mate that would go with them to Wembley that doesn't go normally? We could sell 100,000. Mm. So there's never going to be satisfaction. There's always going to be huge disappointment. Um, but hey, were they uh, and they, you know let's have those problems bring them on yeah. they, it's, we could be the fans of Southampton and Nottingham Forest so near and yet so far we know all about so near and so far were they and that's the biggest thing and yes there's going to be problems and yes there's a short turnaround but isn't it wonderful to have the problems it certainly is and I'm sure wherever you'll be watching it whether it be at Wembley whether you'll make the trip down to London, regardless of whether you've got a ticket and you watch it somewhere down there, or whatever's happened here in the city centre, I imagine there'll be something going on. Or whether you're just at home, you know, with your family and friends, you'll be back in the club and you know you'll be having a jolly good time, especially if Newcastle United win. Um, let's go on to West Ham then, John. As we said, the visitors on Saturday. The key question is, who replaces Bruno Gimmeresh in the middle of the park? No, it's not. The quick question is who replaces Joe Linton up front when he goes in the middle of the park? Uh, because you've only got two alternatives for the middle of the park. You either go with Joe Linton or you go with Elliot Anderson. And I think eventually Elliot Anderson will become a big part of Newcastle United. I don't think it'll be from the start on Saturday. I think Joe Linton's a showing to play in the middle of the park with Willick in Longstaff. Then... It's a matter of who takes up the third position up front, wide left. And that is intriguing for me. And that will split Geordie opinion. And that is a question that will not be answered till the team sheet comes out at that past four because Eddie doesn't give it away. On, on the face of it, we've got four people up for that one position. Alan San Maximum, quite obviously. Isaac with a slight, perhaps, twitch to the tactical formation up front, but he could get the third position. Well, if... Um, if, if Gordon, if, Gordon who, who's just been... Just on that, though, John. On, Sorry? Just on that, I mean, Isaac, we, we don't yet know whether he'll be available, do we? Because no, he but off. he is... He No, we don't, but he is saying that he feels a lot better and it was a bump on the head. Now, if he's not playing the bravado card 
and and he's saying I feel absolutely fine and I, I got a clip. If he hasn't had full concussion, which would take him out of it um, medically, if he hasn't, he's available. So let us, for the moment, presume that the only thing we've heard is from him since Eddie immediately after the game. So if that's true, if everybody's available, and we know we've had injuries in training that nobody hears about, all of a sudden Manquillo is talked about as a reason we got Ashby when we didn't know Manquillo was injured. So if we look at the four, there's four choices for Saturday. There's Sam Maximum, there's Isaac with the twitch and the tactics, there's Gordon if you decided to gamble and start him straight away, which it would never have happened if Bruno wasn't um, uh, suspended. And the other one, the rank outside is Murphy. So, But the choice will come from those four to play on the left-hand side. And mm. it's going to be fascinating which one of those gets it. Uh, Jason says he's actually play on the left. If he's fit, I would I would play him on the left. Um, the gamble then, though, is you don't have any recognised set of four on the bench, which goes back to the transfer window. And did Newcastle leave themselves short, which I will ask you in just a moment. However, I think I think you'll play Jacob Murphy. He really likes Jacob Murphy. I was going to um, say that's a fun one because it's the rank outsider of the four in the betting, but it doesn't mean he won't, of course. I think I think he'll play Jacob Murphy. I do think Joe Linton will drop into maybe that, that deeper role, up, at least alongside Longstaff, who, I mean, Joe Linton's been un, unstoppable in recent games, but I think it'll be Murphy. I think Murphy will come out on the, on the left because I just don't think St. Maxman... Uh, we, we we spoke about this off camera me now and the other day about St Maxman's performance on on Tuesday and we didn't really want to we didn't really want to bring anyone down because it was such a wonderful uh, you know moment Newcastle off to off to Wembley but I just felt there was moments of his performance especially when Newcastle went down to ten men that he didn't really cover himself in much light in, in the best of light uh, whereas Murphy comes off the bench you know and he, he does a bit more a bit more running about him bit more effort in my view. So I think he's probably played his way into starting against West Ham. Very interesting, very interesting. I take the point you're making about Maxi. I've been I've chunted on here um in previous podcasts we've done and some people have raised an eyebrow and haven't seen it. But when I look at him, he doesn't look a happy bunny. Now I know you would say, well he shouldn't be a happy bunny because he's never starting, etc. etc. But his body language all in he doesn't look the bubbly man that he was once maybe that was because he was the number one man at St James's Park then I don't know but when I saw him against Man City before he kicked the ball against Man City and it was absolutely magnificent he looked the bubbly character you know on the pitch in the warm-up and you thought he's ready to go he's gonna have it he doesn't look that person anymore now I know I know for certain that a lot of clubs have got into him. I know for certain, for example, that Spurs have had his ear during this transfer window. Not necessarily for the transfer to happen, the window that's just closed, because it would have been difficult to move him, but in the summer. Now, I know for a fact Spurs have, have been in his ear. Now, also, it's said Arsenal and Milan have been in his ear. Now, is that turning his head? He never starts now, and, and these big clubs... Some people would say as big as Newcastle, we wouldn't, but some others would, and want him. 
Is his head been turned? Does he see his future has not been here? He doesn't look a happy bunny. And I'll tell you one thing, Andrew, if he doesn't get the nod, if Joe Linton is moved into midfield and he doesn't start against West Ham, either Isaac does or Gordon as a new guy does or Murphy does, as you suggest, it'll knock him in a do and he will almost be told, won't he, in his own mind, yeah, your future is here, is, is a second rater. Because we've got to remember that long term, and not too far in the distance, Gordon will nail that position on the left with Almiran on the right and Wilson. So Sam Maximum's already gone back in the ratings by us signing Gordon. Now, if mm. he is not considered good enough to start on Saturday, and by the way, I'm not meaning he should, I'm just mean if he's not, and only one man, as I always say, it matters, and that's Eddie Howe, that's going to send a huge message, not only to him, but to all of us, as exactly where Maxi's future is at Newcastle. So this is a big team selection for Alan San Maximum. Let's read some of the comments here. So Shirley says, I think Isaac should be brought on at the start of the match. He's always brought on too late. That is providing his match fit. To coin a phrase, says St. Maximum had to play up front on his own as we doubt we down to 10 men, cutting some slack, which is, you know, I kind of said that at the start when I made the point that we didn't want to discuss it, at least on, on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, <laughs> such a momentous occasion. But um, I just felt it had to be said there. The point had to be made. John says, I've always been a Maxi fan, but I'm coming out of the opinion that he might be too individualistic for Eddie's style of play. Roger says, I thought that the triple sub on the hour did initially add instant dynamism, get it seemed ASM started to simmer too quickly. I do agree that when we saw those players come up off the bench and the board went up, there was there was a, a you could sense a kind of a, a buzz around the stadium because Eddie Howe was adding some quality uh, to the to the pitch. It just it just obviously the red card then scuppered things ever so slightly. And there's also, I mean, there's a, there is a lot of people who think Maxi should start. Pete says, just let Maxi play. Trull says, ASM starting has always been better than him as a sub. And Peter says, Maxi will start and Anthony Gordon will come on in the second half. When I actually, John, originally asked this question, I totally forgot about Anthony Gordon. It's been one of those weeks. And then you remind me of it. And you may want to go back and just realise the smile on your face because I've totally forgot about him. What up there? I think he's going to be. I know there's debate about his attitude and what have you, but I think he'll he'll be fine. He'll set sec, he'll settle perfectly. You want that kind of uh, I mean, he is going to be. He's going to be the left winger if, in old-fashioned terms in the very very near future. It might just be that Saturday comes a bit quick for him because he hasn't played a lot recently at Everton, and you know it would be easier to introduce him from the bench. And it could well be a some maximum start in, in, in Gordon coming on. Um, but we have got that situation with Gordon coming on. But, you know, we've talked here about who would play up front and we've talked about being... I've talked about being worried about some maximum in terms of uh, his body language isn't great, etc., etc. 
I've got to admit, amongst all the elation, and I've got nothing but elation because Newcastle are at Wembley, and I've got nothing but credit for each and every single Newcastle United player, but I remain worried about Callum Wilson. I think Callum Wilson's not yet the Callum Wilson we have known all the time he's been at St James's Park. And we have always prided the fact that in the past, whenever Callum Wilson's been out injured, he has come back into the team and unbelievably hasn't needed matches to get up to pace. He has come back in the team and almost hit the ground running every time he's come back in. This time, he looks strangely lethargic. It's nothing to do with, I, I think, with him his mind like Maxi. Maxi's confused about whether he's got a future here, whether his future's elsewhere. Callum Wilson's future's all here. But he, 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 isn't, he hasn't got that pace he's shown. He's not running the challenge. He's not getting behind. The ball's not sticking with him and he, he hasn't got that clinical ice-cold finish. He is now gone from October the 29th without a goal. I mean... And he's a regular goal scorer. I mean, you know, when when in his day, when um, Malcolm McDonald was centre forward for Newcastle, the only time he had a similar period of never scoring goals was in the summer because he wasn't playing. Um, but uh, some, Wilson, he's gone double figures, matches without a goal, and he hasn't scored since October 29th. And Newcastle, if they have a problem going into this West Ham match, it surely isn't at the back, where Pope and the back four are the best in the division. It is in midfield, despite the fact we haven't got Bruno. It's up top, because both our top goal scorers, Almiron with nine and Wilson with six, have stopped scoring. They've both hit a dry period. Wilson hasn't scored since October 29th. Miggy hasn't scored in his last six and a half games. The half game was when he went on as a sub. Uh, at Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup and hasn't looked like scoring. Neither of them have looked like scoring. And if you take your two goal scorers have stopped scoring and the third position up front is up for grabs on, on Saturday, it's going to be a reserve, said in quotes, because it isn't going to be Joe Linton. It's going to be a second choice. Then we need goals from those front three. We are struggling there in terms of the finish. You know, all right, somebody like Sean Longstaff come up and wasn't that wonderful and magnificent. But, you know, you, you, you can't expect him to do it again on Saturday and, and et cetera, et cetera. Who's going to get the goals? That, if I'm looking for utopia, and I'm grateful for what I've got, but of course we're looking for utopia, then I'm looking for goal scorers again. We mentioned the transfer window, and I said I was going to ask you about it. Now, it finished with John Joe Shelby heading to Nottingham Forest. Obviously, Chris Wood had followed him and had started that kind of journey. He joined it a week or so earlier. Newcastle and I had signed Anthony Gordon, they signed House and Ashbury, but didn't manage to get anybody else in. Now, Eddie Howe was asked about this after the Cup win, the semi-final win, and he said, no window is perfect. I don't think this window has been perfect for us. That's just the reality of the situation. I think we've signed two really talented young players and really pleased with those signings. It's a point to lose Chris Wood and John Joe Shelby from players, which is, well, it's not always about what they've won. We have to look at things from a position of everybody's needs at once. But maybe, like a couple of areas, we do have a lot of quality within the squad. So, I, you know, I think everything how 
said to everyone, we'll agree with your lights. Um, I think in an ideal world, we wouldn't have lost wooden Shelby without with this in for both. Tuesday night, though, was probably, we, we spoke about how, you know, the one injury, you want suspension away from potentially facing a crisis in those positions. And Newcastle's look, they got one suspension in one of them positions and potentially an injury, which is Isaac missed this Saturday, and the other. I kind of reaffirmed just how light they are in both positions, i.e. central of midfield and up front. Yeah, there's absolutely no question about that whatsoever. Um, and Eddie Howe says no transfer window uh, is ever perfect. With respect, Eddie, I think the one last January was perfect for us. We were going down, we signed a barrel load of players, in, including Byrne and Pope and Trippier, and, uh, and it worked magnificently. That was a perfect window for us in January. It was an unbelievable window because you normally can't get people in January. Um, this window has fallen short, and it's only fallen short because we were left without centre-forward and midfield cover. And that is absolutely not ideal. I wasn't, I said on the last podcast we done, and I'll repeat it now, against, per se, Wood and Shelby Gone because I think they are yesterday's men. I don't think they're up to the standard of the current Newcastle or the future Newcastle whatsoever. And if Shelby was still here, I'm not certain he would have been up to it on Saturday, physically and everything else. I mean, when did he last play? You know, he, he hasn't played this season in the league and he didn't play at the end of last season. Shelby was not fit enough. The tragedy is not letting Shelby go. The tragedy is not getting somebody in. And and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not too upset at seeing them um, would go because I've said who will score the goals with, with Wilson and Miggy like they are. The answer certainly would not have been Wood in the in the first in the Premier League. That's for certain. The the, the trouble was not them to leave for me, not them to leave but not getting replacements in. Possibly more so in the case of the midfield because we have got Isaac. Hopefully we've got Isaac on Saturday, um, because the concussion was not concussion. But if we haven't, we've certainly got him the next game. Um, but we are, we talked about how short we were in midfield and that's come home to roost with Bruno being out for three games. Mm. We are down to our bare bones. The team, the, the, the lads we play against West Ham, will be the full complement to senior midfield players. Because the only other ones, Elliot Anderson, who I'm a great believer in and is going to be a big star, but it's early for him. So we're very short there. Great to see him though involved on Tuesday, and actually, I thought that's why he come on. Yeah, but it was a really good sign as well because at that point, it's a, it's a crucial moment in the game when he comes on. I know he's only on for a few minutes, so Newcastle though knew they had to defend. So he comes off with Jacob Murphy, who only came on twenty odd minutes. I was going to say you're talking about Murphy playing on Saturday. The sub was subbed on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that, um, and you know, it would be interesting. It would be interesting to know why, but I, I assume it's because Ali Hansen and he thought maybe he had a bit more legs about him or, or what have you. But I just he shouldn't have been short of legs. He was on about twenty five minutes, wasn't he? Yeah, but from an Anderson point of view, I think it, it's it's another big uh, you know hint to say where. If you haven't gone out on loan this January, you know, go on there. You're only going to get a couple of minutes. But to be thrown on in that situation, 
in the you know the most important few moments of Newcastle season. Of course, that's why that's uh, why he was yeah. sent on, Andrew. You're, you're right. That's why he was sent on. You're going to be an important part. This is Eddie thinking quickly. Bruno's gone off. That means we are right up against it in midfield. Here's a kid that he might have to call on in those three games. He'll certainly be on the bench at Wembley. And, and who knows when he's needed in the run-in. Get him on now. So, hey, you're part of this, by the way. It's like the photograph at the end of the game. Get them on the photograph. Get them on the pitch. And also, also, and it's very clever from this point of view, just think of this. What it means to Anderson on the final whistle. He's a Geordie on the pitch. The same mm. as Longstaff. The same as Byrne. The same as... So this... He was on the pitch when Newcastle officially got into Wembley. And, and he's a Geordie lad. That's why he was brought on. If Bruno hadn't gone off, I doubt if if Elliot would have got on. But it was a, a, a clever thing to do, in my opinion, to to say, hey, I haven't forgotten about you, pal. You're an important part of this squad. Get out there and have your moment. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially with the, the sign of Anthony Gordon as well. Who I think Gordon actually would probably be just settled in like Eddie Howe did with the likes of Bruno. I, I can't see him starting on Saturday. But then every time I would try and predict where Eddie Howe does, he does the exact opposite. So goodness knows, probably will start Anthony Gordon on Saturday. Um, a few more comments then here, John, from uh, listeners. Uh, Les says, I think Anderson could be like Longstaff gets better with a run of games. We have Derek saying he thought Callum Wilson played well on Tuesday, should have had a penalty which no one has ever mentioned. Defender pulled him down. And this question, uh, point from John, I'll be intrigued to see what you have to say, John. Um, no, sorry, it's from John Askew. John's not asking himself a question for those listening on the podcast. Um, John Askew says, from seemingly nowhere, the squad has quite a bit of depth judging by the bench in recent games. That could be crucial. Do you agree with that? It's, it's, I, quite, a, it's quite a statement. And I know where where John is coming from. And I, I know when you look at the bench and you think that Isaac's on it and you, and you think that um, uh, Gordon is, is now on it and uh, Maxi's on it and you think that is quite strong. But no, there's nine people who go on the bench and the bench theoretically has been um, weakened because um, Shelby's gone and Wood's gone and... Uh, Darlow's gone, though we've got more than enough goalkeepers. Um, so it's it, it will have to be deeper than it is now, next season, when we're in Europe. That's for certain. Things have got to happen in the summer because the squad isn't deep enough not to handle Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup and Europe next season. And we will be in all four of those competitions. We haven't enough strength and depth, even with the young boy Ian Ashby, as well as Gordon. That will be strengthened in the summer. But whether we like it or not, with the hand we're dealt is the players we've got now. And between now and the end of the season, and this is the most crucial part of the season, we have won nothing yet, but we can win the League Cup and Champions League qualification between now and the end of the season. They are two huge prizes, and we have to win them with what we've got in-house now. Um, will it be enough? We're about to find out. Uh, I would like to think so, but I would like God to deal us a good hand with injuries, etc. And I would like 
people to have looked at what happened to Bruno and say, I'm not going to make that mistake as well. Because that was self-inflicted, you know. But it, it doesn't just hurt Bruno, who I love. It's hurt the club and the team over these next three matches. We'll find out how much. And over the cup final, we'll find out how much rustiness sitting on the sidelines has hit Bruno. And we don't want any more self-inflicted wounds like that because mm. this is the big part of the season. We've set everything up, Andrew, but we've gotten out yet. We've gotten out yet, but it's set up. We could have the League Cup and the Champions League, but at the moment we've got neither. But it's tantalising because we're in a position to get both. And as you said earlier in the show, you know the season is still a lot to play for other than, than the Cup. And we know as well that Eddie Howe's concentration is fully on West Ham on Saturday. You already said it in the, in the, in the, in the post-match uh, press conference after Tuesday night's victory that all he's thinking about is West Ham. That's all he's thinking about because that's the next game. That's where the three points are. And of course, I think he's fibbing a little bit as well because he, he can have a little moment at three o'clock in the morning when he thinks of Wembley and has a little dance from the bottom of the bed. That would yeah, be bad. But you know, I think I think we, we know from from previous Eddie how he is game by game. He, he doesn't look too far ahead, and, and that's a good thing because. You know, you, you win the next three games, you go in full of momentum, and that's the key. The key word is momentum. Right. But but can we also remember, Andrew, these three games aren't a warm-up for Wembley. These three games get with the Champions League. No, 100%. 100%. It's not a warm-up for Wembley. This These three games can decide what next season is all about. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and West Ham's a really interesting one. 16th in the league. They've got 18 points. They're one point above the drop zone. They lost their they they won their last league game against Everton, um, who of course are down there with them fighting for survival. They beat Derby in the FA Cup. They have lost seven out of the last ten though, and haven't won in their last eight on the road. Newcastle, of course, since James Park, it's a fortress. They were unbeaten in fifteen. The downside is they're not scoring too many goals. The upside is they're keeping still keeping clean sheets. Obviously, uh, the Tuesday side. This is a game, John. That if you are qualifying for the top four, you're winning. You have to win this game, don't you? There's no question at all. I mentioned earlier in this programme, Andrew, that we've had three no-note draws, mm. which is why we've only got six points out of 12. Do you think a no-note draw on Saturday is good enough? No, it isn't. It's good enough when you've won the last six, but it's not good enough under the current circumstances. In this West Ham team... If you are going to finish in the Champions League, you beat West Ham at home. Because West Ham last season finished seventh top in, in the Europa League semi-finals. They then went out and bought players, particularly strikers, and then a relegation fight. And, I mean, they have fallen off the end of the cliff. And Moyes is desperate for results. And now I th they've got very dangerous individuals that may, we must be aware of because Antonio seems to have got his head screwed on again. I think it was a little bit turned by the fact he could get a good move before the transfer deadline, and that hasn't happened. And Jared Bone was suffering desperately on his own admission through being left behind at the World Cup when he thought he was going to get into the squad. Both suffered as a consequence. Both scored to put them through in the FA Cup against Derby. Antonio is difficult to handle. Bourne is a good player. 
Declan Rice will be back in the side, having been rested, and he's having his last West Ham hurrah before he joins a Champions League club in the summer. So they have got individuals that will punish us if we aren't on blob. But we still have the meanest defence in the Premier League and we have a fortress at home and it's crucial to us. What will I be doing on Saturday? I sat on Tuesday night because we scored in four minutes and we're already one nil ahead. I sat bliss, in total bliss on Tuesday because we were going to Wembley. I could sit back and get a cigar out and, and a glass of champagne and enjoy the hour and a half. I will sit for an hour and a half this Saturday tea time saying, oh, we're going to get the goal. Oh, we're going to get the goal. When is the goal coming? It's 50 minutes. It's 60 minutes. It's 70 minutes. We've got to get this goal because that's going to be the crucial thing. It's okay keeping them out, but a note, note, yet another note, note's not good enough. We've got to score. And the sooner we do that and put all our nerves to bed, the better. But it's it's. We can't say another must-win, can we? We spent all last season saying there were must-win games, so we weren't relegated. We've said that they must-win games all this season because we want to go in the Champions League. Mm. And we're still saying it, but it is must-win. Yeah, well, it's, it's better to be saying must-win in this situation than it was last season. That's the way. Uh, Absolutely sure. right. But it is must-win, well. Andrew. Yeah, scary thing as well. That like we probably, whatever game this time was last year, we'd probably be saying it's a must-win for... For survival, and here we are talking about almost going to qualify for the top four. It's it's still frightening, isn't it? About about it. Um, but on that, West Ham, you know, we're seen to be the side alongside Leicester that we're going to gear crash the top four. We're going to upset yep. the established order. They finished seventh last season. Are West Ham a kind of a warning, uh, you know, to Newcastle to to make sure that? You know, it happens, and you, you, you know, your plan of crashing the top four. Make sure that you follow through on that plan because it can easily the progress you've made can easily easily be swept. Oh, away football, football, so kind and so cruel, almost at the same time. And they are both clubs. You're absolutely right, Andrew. Uh, Leicester and West Ham are warning to the current Newcastle United hierarchy because. When we saw Leicester win the Premier League title and then win the FA Cup and win the Community Shield, we're saying, isn't this sensational? Isn't it wonderful? What are they doing this season in a relegation fight? When we see West Ham have two successive seasons of finishing in the top single figures, seventh or ninth, and go to a Europa League semi-final, they're saying, isn't Moyes a genius Hasn't he refound what he had at Everton and lost at Manchester United? And what are they doing this season? The same as Leicester in a relegation fight. And they both splashed cash on signing players. So it can turn as quick. The minute you think you've made it, you haven't. The minute you think you made it, you haven't. As long as you're striving to make it, you've got a chance. And... That is a warning. Newcastle aren't home and host for the next four years because they've got Saudi owners, a very good manager and a clever transfer policy. They're home and host until the next transfer window. That, yeah. that is all. It can happen, and we've seen it happen to a lesser extent with West Ham and Leicester, and we have got to remember that. And also, though, West Ham kind of a nod to sticking with your manager. I know he's only won uh, his last league games, only won two out of the last ten, but... Now, I think David Moyes is a decent manager and I think he will turn it around at West Ham. 
He's well, that's got, what they say uh, about Brendan Rodgers as well, isn't yeah. it? So is it, is, it, is it another nod to, to maybe a more, I don't know if sensible approach is the right word, but a more, I'm going to use it anyway, a more sensible approach from owners not to quickly press the fire button when things get a little bit uh, a little bit uneasy in the boardroom? Yeah, I think that goes without saying. It's very knee-jerk and it's very easy to just keep sacking managers. Everton have kept doing that and look where it's got them. Uh, further in the clots than they've ever been. Um, so, yes, of course. But, hey, I tell you what, I'm not even contemplating that. I've contemplated that for 20 years. I'm not now having to think about that, so I'm not going to, Andrew. It's not our uh, concern anymore. Isn't that lovely? It is, it is. And just quickly then, before I ask for your score prediction, uh, Derek asks you, John, Bruno and Isaac versus Pequeta and Scamaca, who got the best deal? So Pequeta, obviously the other Brazilian Newcastle destroying link to uh, joined West Ham uh, last summer and Skamaka, who joined from Serie A, well, big, big money, hasn't quite hit the ground running. I, I mean, from my point of view, I think I think Bruno has probably been the best sign out of all of four of them. Isaac is a little similar to Skamaka just because we haven't really seen much of him, hasn't really managed to do too much. But I would argue Isaac's probably done more than Skamaka, despite being injured for long parts of it. Um, Paqueta's probably just been a little bit quiet. I mean, I'm not. I haven't watched too much of him. I, I don't know if you have, John, but I would assume you, you're going to agree with me and say Newcastle, based on the season so far, probably got the better deal of a, out of those uh, out of those parents. Ah, oh, well, I would just say go and have a look at the league table. That'll tell you who got the better deal. Um, I mean, there's no comparison. You name me a better player, a better signing than Bruno, and you would probably say. Trippier or Byrne or Botman, who we've already got, and Pope. All the great signs of value for money signs have been Newcastle United one. I mean, Bruno's been a sensational signing, even though he's a naughty boy at the moment and deserves his bum smack for the other night. But he's been sensational. And Isaac has got all the potential to be sensational. There's no comparison between our two and their two. Um, but, but we've got a continue in that vein and we've got to continue in that vein in the transfer market in the summer and I think we will because our record in the transfer market has been excellent and you know what the greatest hope you've got of Anthony Gordon being good is what the players this regime have signed have been like because they've been terrific so that's yep and if if Eddie Howe and the scouting staff wanted Gordon as much as they did then you've got to feel that he's going to make it the same as the rest of them. 100%. Derek informs me that it was a rhetorical question. Well, you didn't state that, Derek, so I didn't know. I didn't know. So I, I apologise, but you've given us a li little something to talk about yeah. anyway. Well, um, Derek, you're absolutely correct. There's no com little smack there for my friend Andrew. But um, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not a mind no I mean, I'm glad it was rhetorical because otherwise I thought, what sort of question is that? <laughs> I thought he was just uh, sparking a bit of debate. I do apologise, Derek. Um, John, how is this one going to go then? Are Newcastle are going to get a win? Newcastle are going to win. It's going to be harder because Bruno is not there. There's absolutely no question whatsoever about that. Uh, it is going to be harder. And while they're in difficulty... They've got some good players, individual players like Antonio, like Jared Bowen, and like Declan Rice. 
so let's not think we just turn up, they roll over, and we come away with three points. Uh, it is absolutely crucial because we've had three not not draws that so we'll get back to winning ways. And when we got the one win with those three not not draws, it was almost a not not draw as well, wasn't it? it? Was Fulham in about the the 89th minute when Isaac scored? So we were almost on four not not draws. So we've got to win. It's where the goals come from. I think we will win by a single goal ratio. And it might even be 2-1. They might even score. Um, we lost uh, Nick Pope's record the other night, but he's still got clean sheets in the Premier League. But maybe they'll score. You can't keep them out for the rest of the season where no team will score against us ever again. It may be 2-1. It may be 1-0. I think it'll only be a goal in it. But I think Newcastle win. But I think my nails, which are looking beautiful after Tuesday night, might look a little bit bitten by the time it comes to having my tea on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I would like to think they're going to win, but just based on on their recent performances, and I think obviously the loss of Bruno, potentially the loss of, of Isaac, I'm going to go for a draw. I don't think they're going to lose it, but... I just wonder if they've got enough in, in the You sourpuss, we've just got to Wembley and you're I talking know, about know, Newcastle I... drawing with a team at the bottom of the Premier League when we need three points for the Champions League. You're always the guy with the, the, the your pot half full and all of a sudden it's half empty. I'm surprised at you, naughty boy. And I'm hoping when I talk to you next week I can bring that up and you're not saying to me... I told you you would. Well, I wouldn't want to be saying I told you so, John. I would love you to be telling me that I was wrong with my prediction. I would love them. To I will be. Be my son, but I just, I don't know. I think are they going to be a bit tired? I, what the hope is is that the adrenaline and the uh, you know the celebration of of Tuesday night carries them on through. But the loss of Bruno is massive. Callum Wilson down in the dumps is 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 also going to have an impact. But saying that, he does like the game against West Ham, does Callum Wilson? So fingers crossed. The key is going to be, Andrew, the key is going to be, can we score the goals? If we can't, it's the draw you're talking about. If we can, can, we win. Yeah, that's as simple as that. Football is a very simple game this year, isn't it? it? Uh, Darren Darren says 2-0 on Saturday, and that's where we'll sign off with a bit of um, optimism. We'll go with Darren's 2-0 score prediction for Newcastle on Saturday. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Do remember to hit subscribe and follow through the podcast provider or on YouTube. And again, I'll just point you in the direction of our supplement for the League Cup final. I've popped it on the screen there for those watching live. I mean, John, I don't know if that's the first time you've seen it. It looks pretty good, though, doesn't it? Looks absolutely terrific. Up for the cup looks the best part of the lot. Those words, I've waited a long time to say that, but the the, the front spread, the paper on the front look, sums up totally what Newcastle United are about. One for all and all for one. And there they all are. Uh, may that last over into the Champions League and into a victory at Wembley and another souvenir coming out saying we won the cup. That'll do for me. Do for me. I think everyone listening and watching. So I'll pop the link into the comments on how to get that supplement. In the meantime, head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep it with all the latest Newcastle news, including all the reaction to the ticket details for the cup final and, of course, Eddie Howe's press conference ahead of West Ham, which will take place on Friday morning. Uh, for me and John, it's been a pleasure as always. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care.